You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group and American National Insurance. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Angostura. If you've ever made a cocktail at home, you've most likely shaken Angostura bitters into your cocktail at the very end of the cocktail making process. In addition to bitters, Angostura has been making world-class rum for more than 130 years. The next fall cocktail you make, try the beautiful, smooth flavor of Angostura rum. It will transport you to the Caribbean islands of Trinidad and Tobago. The House of Angostura will celebrate its 200-year anniversary of turning drinks into cocktails in 2024. Cheers, everyone. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. Hey, everyone. Welcome to To Dine For The Podcast, where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Corporate Natalie. The one thing that I have that a lot of my friends and people I know, people who are like, I could totally do this, or I'm I'm a funny person, I want to do this. The one thing that I had was like insane confidence. And that's the first hurdle you have to get over of like, put your pride aside and just give it a shot. That is Corporate Natalie, a social media phenom from Silicon Valley with over 1 million TikTok and Instagram followers. After college, she moved to San Francisco, where she is today. And during the pandemic, Natalie began making TikTok videos that humorized the doldrums of corporate America, which kickstarted her career as a content creator and allowed her to quit working in consulting. She was listed on E! News' 21 TikTok stars to follow in 2021 and was a 2023 Forbes 30 Under 30 select. Natalie is a savvy entrepreneur who now co-founds Expand VA, a virtual assistant business that helps influencers and companies in need of administrative assistance build their brand on social media. Please enjoy my conversation with Corporate Natalie. Hi, Natalie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm so excited about this interview. I just did a deep dive into all your videos. You are absolutely hilarious. Oh my gosh. That that must have been exhausting to watch <laughs> my face uh, over and over again, but <laughs> honored. Yeah, they are. They're really great. I'm really excited to hear your journey. A lot of people wonder, how does someone 
get to the position you're in. So I can't wait to hear the full story, but I'm going to begin this podcast the way I begin all of my podcasts by asking your favorite restaurant. If you could take me anywhere, what would be your favorite spot? Okay. So I live in San Francisco, but I recently went to New York. I go to New York a lot for work and Lartuzzi is an Italian restaurant in New York. I went with my best friend. We were on like a girl's trip and we, 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 we waited from 5 PM and we got, we sat at 8 45 PM, <laughs> but we were just standing waiting. That's how badly we wanted this. I, hopefully you were and, drinking. Oh yeah. No, we were like, it, <laughs> there was no room at the, are you kidding? We couldn't get a bar seat, please. No, we're standing dead sober. And we sat and it, either it was the starvation yes. or the act- <laughs> pasta. I'm not sure, but we ordered every pasta on the menu. We're like, we're going to try every single one. We ordered eight dishes. They were like, you're just, they were looking at us like we're disgusting. And I was like, that's fair, but we loved every single one. It was incredible. It was such a memory. And I will for sure go back there. I'll try to get a reservation this time instead of walking in. A reservation is key. Um, I think it was a combination of starvation and the fact that Lartuzzi is wonderful. They have a sister brother restaurant named Delanima that's also really, really good. That's very cool. That's cool. I love that you yeah. that you mentioned that restaurant. So, you know, for folks that are not familiar with your story, you started out as a consultant. What was your first job? And like, as you were emerging out of college, what did you think you wanted to do? So I was, I went to Notre Dame. I was in the undergrad business school. And I think just with the, the chaos of everyone doing case interviews and going into the consulting route, I thought like that was the only option. And that's what we were going to do. Yeah. So I went right into, I was working at Deloitte as a consultant. I did the internship my summer going into senior year and then got my full-time offer as many people do. So very traditional route. And the sorting hat of consulting placed me in this group called Business Continuity and Resilience, Mm -hmm. where we built business continuity plans in case there was like a disaster, like a data center goes down. Like, what do you do? What's the, what's the playbook? And that was by no means was I like a senior in college. Like I want to be a business resilience professional. <laughs> it just sort of like happened that way. Right. And so I did that for a couple years and then COVID hit and became corporate Natalie and decided to take a slightly different route than IT consulting. Okay. So let, let's back up. When you're in this job doing IT consulting, Talk to me about your psychology, because you obviously have used every moment of this corporate job to fuel and as material for what you do now. So during those years as a consultant, were you secretly thinking, wow, this this is an SNL skit. This is super funny. Like, wouldn't this be great? I mean, talk to me about what you were thinking. Totally. I mean, it's like when you watch The Office, like how is The Office such a popular show? It's it literally takes place in a boring office setting, but it's hilarious. Yes. Like the 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 day in and day out, and especially with consulting of these partners who I genuinely believe live on a plane. Like they'll show up to the client site for five hours, drop in, drop out, go to the next client. Like it's just so this it's this culture that I I had no idea the severity of how insane it was. And also just I feel like I'm not doing this kind of content creation, I feel like I'm a very creative person. Like I genuinely love the comedy and whatever, but I always felt like I had to like check the boxes. So I was an IT management major. And then I went into IT consulting and I felt like, I'm like, why am I here? Like constant imposter yeah. syndrome. Like, I don't actually know how to do anything in Excel. <laughs> what, what, why am I here? So I think that played into the kind of, yeah, relatable videos that I was able to make out of it. Well, you, you clearly have two sides of your brain 
working because, you know, you have to be a linear thinker to do your consulting job. You have to be a nonlinear thinker to do what you're doing now. And I'm just wondering when you had the job, obviously you found the, the humor in it, but did you like the job? Were you dissatisfied? Were you kind of craving to get out or kind of what, what were you thinking? You know, I actually, I say this a lot when I speak, like I loved making decks and PowerPoint is such a, like a, the bread and butter of consulting. Yeah. And I actually, I genuinely did love it. Like I was fired up to, you know, get only a few please fix notes from my manager. That was like, my love language was just get, presenting a good a deck. Of course not presenting. Cause I wasn't able to speak as a entry level consultant. You just built all the deliverables, but, um, I liked it. I liked the concept of like climbing the corporate ladder. I've always been a very hard worker. It wasn't like I was like I loved waking up early and, you know, grinding and flying. I was flying across the country. Like I felt like I loved being a business professional, yeah. but I didn't, I don't know if the day in and day out of what I was doing, I was like super fired up about, but I, I sort of was bought into the whole narrative of, well, I'll get to partner one day. And this yes. is, you know, I have to grind now and it'll pay off later. So I do have that kind of like grind mentality. And I think that entrepreneurial spirit I actually had since a very young age. So I think starting the business was, was exciting. So you had a lot of different entrepreneurial ventures as a kid, friendship bracelets, et cetera. Can you talk to me a little bit about, did it ever occur to you in college that being an entrepreneur is what you should do, not go the corporate track, but actually go out on your own? Like, was that, was that an ever a consideration in college? Yeah. So I, I started a jewelry business in college. I had like reps at 10 different universities selling the jewelry that we made. And so that was like a fun little test into sales and just trying to start a business. Not, you know, can't say it was a Fortune 500 company, but um, <laughs> the, the necklaces did well. I think Notre Dame business school, specifically undergrad business school was very, like you go into investment banking or consulting, the entrepreneurial spirit that you see at these schools in Silicon Valley and where you're around the Googles and the, you know, Ubers and all these bigger companies are at your career fairs and you're, you're getting exposure to that. I think I didn't really have the exposure to like the tech innovation space being in the Midwest. Yeah. But I always had this itch of like, I'm going to do something. Like I, I applied to like the entrepreneurship program, like the, these small opportunities I got to kind of flex that muscle. I, I definitely took advantage of. You really kind of made a name for yourself in the pandemic with TikTok. Tell me about that first video. How did you get traction and what was it? Well, so I say this a lot and I think, the one thing that I have that a lot of my friends and people I know and people who are like, I could totally do this, or I'm, I'm a funny person. I want to do this. The one thing that I had was like insane confidence. I just didn't care. I was like, I am going to post and no makeup. I'm, I'm like, no one's going to see this. So it doesn't matter. Like, let's try. And that's the first hurdle you have to get over of like, put your pride aside and just give it a shot. So I did that quite easily. And then I kind of started getting into this corporate bit when a couple of videos took off of just the work from home monotony, the you know, sweats from the waist down, the stuff that's like not funny anymore, but it was hilarious when it was happening. Yep. I kind of just highlighted that on the channel and it continued to grow. And I think a lot of people were feeling the same way. And I think when I started the corporate TikTok style wasn't really a, like it was, I was kind of a front runner in that. I think now everyone talks about work. It's very open. People are, you know, day in the life at my job at Sephora, whatever you want to do. But isn't that um, funny? I mean, like it was only three years ago. Isn't that funny that you, yeah, even as you say, like how much we've changed culturally in three years that people now can speak more openly about how they feel about work. Crazy. And I think it's like Gen Z coming into the workplace and not having that exposure to like the traditional corporate setting that, yes. you know, we've experienced. And so I think this new normal, as we called it during the pandemic is just 
is just normal. Did you think for a second that you might get in trouble or had you already left your corporate job? Like, did you think, oh, there's, there's going to be a lot of judgment here? No, no, no. Of course I thought I would get in trouble. And I'm a very risk averse person. Like I don't consider myself like an artist to create, like I want to follow my path. I'm like, no, I need to have steady income. I need to have my benefits, whatever, like everything in line. So I kept the full-time job for as long as possible. I actually left the big four consulting and went into cybersecurity firms. So I was working in the industry and I had this fear for sure. And I actually, the the CEO of the company I was at at the time call, called me in and I've told the story before, but I thought I was getting fired. I was like, oh, he's discovered me. It's game over. And he was like, we want to move you into marketing. And so I moved, <laughs> I actually got a promotion at the age of 24 to like a senior manager in marketing, B2C marketing, which was crazy. I, I know nothing about marketing beyond I made some silly videos on TikTok. <laughs> So it was great to see that that was valued and that I could kind of put that fear aside as long as I didn't make fun of the company specifically and was very intentional about the characters are fictional and all these kind of principles that I set for myself. That's great. So like you're in an environment that's actually supporting both sides of you, right? Like the, the side that wants to make decks and be this, you know, hard charging corporate person and also this creative side who finds the great humor in the in sort of the inanity of the whole situation as well. Totally. Yeah. And I think it was at, I was at a tech company and I think there was a little more lax with kind of the side hustle and the passions. And I'm thankful that I was in that position. Then I, I'm not sure uh, my big four life would have loved corporate <laughs> We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National Agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National Agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Angostura. If you've ever made a cocktail at home, you've most likely shaken Angostura bitters into your cocktail at the very end 
of the cocktail making process. In addition to bitters, Angostura has been making world-class rum for more than 130 years. The next fall cocktail you make, try the beautiful, smooth flavor of Angostura rum. It will transport you to the Caribbean islands of Trinidad and Tobago. The House of Angostura will celebrate its 200-year anniversary of turning drinks into cocktails in 2024. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. If you could give two pieces of advice to leadership in these tech companies as the Gen Z comes into the workplace to help the transition be smoother and really for the experience of the younger worker coming in to be better, what would you say? That's a good question. I think one right now we're really into the side hustle. Gen Z wants to do a million things, wear a bunch of different hats, try everything. And it's why you see, you know, people don't stay at companies that long right now. I think offering opportunities for like intrapreneurship where they can explore and flex that entrepreneurial side hustle passion actually within the company, like, you know, leading the early in career group, trying a new project in some way, giving opportunities to flex that muscle, I think will help with Gen Z retention in the workplace. I think in the interview process, a lot of companies are wondering like, how do we even attract Gen Z? This is before they're hired. I think just transparency is key. We see like people on TikTok every day sharing their deepest, darkest secrets with no shame at all. And I think it's actually better to be transparent as a company and state your core values. And if you're a company that values, you know, you get in the office at seven, you're working five days a week in the office don't try to hide it. Just right. say it. And so you, you track the right people who are who are down for that. And, <laughs> and so I think transparency is key, which we tend to gatekeep in corporate America, but just showing your cards early is, is a better approach. Has any company hired you to consult them to help with what I just asked? Because I feel like you would be a wonderful bridge. Like maybe this is another side hustle for you of like consulting for big companies about the humor and just kind of like translating corporate America for a younger generation. I love that. And maybe that'll be my 2024 goal. (laughs) I do a little bit of advising and consulting in the kind of like social media marketing space of how can you communicate this product on a platform if you're like a B2B company. Can we make short form videos that we use on LinkedIn and trying to stay in that marketing realm, but it's interesting to think like, could I potentially help in an HR capacity of attracting, I I go and speak at companies, which I think like increases company morale and I'll do like meet and greets and hang out with the, you know, interns and all that stuff. But it would be interesting to see how I could apply that. If you have any ideas, please let me know. We we can talk offline, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just seeing you bring this very unique skill set in a lot of humor, which don't, you don't normally see together. And so I thought to myself, yeah, that could that could really work. You have a huge social media following. Can you talk a little bit about your strategy and really how it developed to as large as it is today? Oh, gosh, yes. Well, I'm thankful I started when I did. I think it's harder every day that passes. It's harder to go viral or become like a creator and, and gain hundreds of thousands of followers. So I'm very thankful that I started in 2020. I think for me, and there's different schools of thought around this, but maintaining that core niche of corporate content. I want people to come to my page and know what they're going to see there. They know the setting of this room you've likely seen on my mm-hmm. channel. They know I'm going to be sitting at my desk, the sliver of the laptop. I'm doing some people like comfort in what they see. And so mm-hmm. as I try to branch out into other areas of comedy, like the girl who does this, the friend who does this, and I'm stepping outside of my office, making sure that I still have that kind of corporate content because 
I'm corporate That's why people follow me. Let's just yeah. stop you there because, but what you just said is just the very essence of great marketing, right? It's, it's telling the same story over again to create the comfort, but also to stay true to your brand. And you have like, that's the first thing you said. No wonder why they switched you to marketing. <laughs> no, oh my gosh. Well, it's interesting. And you, you'll see creators who do like the same bit every day and it just works so well. I think I'm like a little, my ADHD brain is like, I need to try new things constantly. But if you're starting as a creator and something works, like go for it. Yeah. Just keep hammering that bit. You'll think it's not fun, but it'll be going, it'll be served different audiences. Your following will grow. You know, I, I feel like I'm like, oh, I've already done that joke, but it's like, do the joke again. Yeah. It's okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. If, if it works once, it'll work again. Totally. So people are going to wonder, myself included, how are you making money? You said you're a risk averse person. You have left your corporate job, correct? Yes. Which is amazing because you still have amazing spot on material about corporate America. So you must have really taken a lot of mental notes from your time <laughs> as a consultant <laughs> because you're, you are very prolific. So how are you making money now? And talk a little bit about your new company, Expand VA. Yes. So yeah, I know. I always think like, oh, will I lose that kind of corporate touch? I think for me, it's like, I will always keep my foot somewhere in that camp. I go to conferences. I speak with employees. I'm on Zoom calls every day with the companies I advise for, for my company, XMBA. So I'm seeing these kind of like Zoom and innuendos and these, like I see them every day. So I'm like, I'm, I'm seated at this desk. I'm not like out and about vlogging constantly. So that's good to kind of maintain that. But my revenue streams are probably like 60% brand deals, which if you see on my channels are like, It'll be very light product placement and I'll do kind of like a normal bit that seems very organic to my channels, but I'll, I'll be placing the product within the frame. I recently did like a Dick's Sporting Goods partnership that I loved that was the overly competitive coworker. And I'm just like <laughs> messing around with all these sporting items as if we're at like some kind of like Olymp team Olympics. And it was super fun to, to film. And I thought that it did really well. It got like 10,000 likes plus, I'm not sure. But um, that's an example of like a brand deal that would show up on social media. I also do the advising. A lot of that's in exchange for equity. Sometimes I have an hourly rate. So that's like another revenue stream. Speaking is the other big part. So going to talk, talk about Gen Z in the workplace, all these things we discuss. So that's kind of the, the breakdown of the income. And then as well, Expand VA is a virtual assistant company where we pair creators needing help with the administrative burdens of creating with some normally like a woman currently our demographic is women in corporate America wanting a side hustle, like 25 to 35, uh, able to kind of bring that like corporate structure to someone who's like maybe more so like an artist. Hmm. Um, and we've seen it well. And so explain expand VA you're getting virtual assistance for people who are content creators like yourself. Yes. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because it, this world picks up very fast and most people start content creation, not like I'm going to quit my job and make this my full thing. Normally it's, I'm working a full-time job. I just started this on the side and wow, this is taking off faster than I thought. And so I remember when I got, had like 10,000 followers, which I thought was nothing. I was getting like 20 emails a day of brand deal offers and can we gift you this product? And can you come to this event? Can you whatever? And so just things that come very quickly and you don't, have time when you're working a full-time job to, to manage all that. And so we have them do things like film blocks, like integrating your work calendar with your content calendar. Can you, can you film on your lunch break here? Like things, things like that to manage the sort of content creation process and brand deals as well. That's awesome. And, um, and they are the virtual assistants. Are they 
where are they? Where are they? Are they international? Are they local? Are they domestic? All of them right now are domestic, mainly New York, San Francisco, but opened international. Actually, I won't say open international because I'm not sure if we have the tax <laughs> thing figured out there. Maybe so down we're the road. Keep it domestic <laughs> for now. Yes. We'll see. Yeah, I like it. I love when people like think out loud because it helps other people because it shows you're real, right? Like the, that's how like real people talk. Like we don't talk in sound bites and we don't talk in, oh, yeah. in bullet points. You know that you've really, you're talking to someone who's truly been corporatized when they're just, they just stick to the talking points and they don't actually act like a real person. So of course you are going to act like a real person because you make fun of people who don't. Okay. My next question for you is, you know, there's so much talk about being on social media is bad for your mental health. You have made an entire career lane out of being online. And I'm sure not only posting and creating, but also reacting to people. Like, how do you balance what you're doing with your own sanity and your own mental health? That's a great question. And I think I constantly am trying to better myself with stepping away from from just consuming, not yeah. not even creating, just like sitting in my bed late at night, consuming TikTok. It's like, it's my serotonin. It's horrible. Like I will admit I'm fully addicted at times. And it's hard because it's like my success is dependent on people watching and liking my videos. My my genuine likability is based on how many likes my videos get. So I, I want people to be on social media generally. And I think social media can bring a lot of positives. I think it's just like the overconsumption. And when you're checking in with yourself, like we all do at times where we're like, wow, I've been on my phone for two hours. I haven't even looked up what's happening in the world. Where am I? I think having those check-ins is good. I it's, this is good timing. And I'm not sure where the, when the podcast is releasing, but I'm working on my kind of 2024 resolutions goals. And one for me is I'm going to charge my phone in my office, which I tried last year, failed, did it for like a month, but I'm really going to try to commit to charging my phone in here. So before bed, I can have kind of me time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, obviously you really explained how kind of the beginning of your brand, you kept very focused on creating content around the, 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 the funny nature of corporate America. And you really didn't deviate, although you kind of went off in tangents, but it was all pretty much central to that focus. I'm just wondering more about you. Like what do you enjoy beyond this, right? Because you're not, you're, you're corporate Natalie, but you're not, right? Like, so tell us a little bit more about what you enjoy and, or is this job, especially being young and being hungry, is it all consuming or what are your other passion projects? Yeah, that's so funny. So I'm actually starting a podcast early next year. We've started recording with my friend Corbett Bro. I don't know if you've seen, we've done some videos together, Ross Pomerantz. And we started recording and our producer was like, okay, let's do an episode on hobbies. Like, what are your hobbies outside of this? I was like, oh my God, none. What do you mean? This is my, this is my only hobby. I thought this was pretty cool. I make videos online. Is that enough? No. But I was like freaking out. I'm like, I don't have any hobbies. No, but I love, what I love about Corporate Natalie is that it is a character and it's something that I can step away from. Yeah. Being a life dog creator seems like a bit terrifying and daunting to yes. me of like, I'm taking everyone with me on the journey of my dating life, my family, my like these intimate parts of me that like, I really enjoy being private. Like I love my friends, like a dinner with my friends on a Friday night. I, I just think being, <laughs> being a normal girl, I'm such a normal girl. I mean, <laughs> I'm not famous at all, but like maintaining my time with my family and like, I'm going to Hawaii with my family in a couple of days. And I'm just oh, thankful amazing. that I'm able to like unplug and 
I've stored up some content before so I can really just enjoy those moments. But I love travel. I love being with friends. I'm doing a lot of ski trips this year. I'm going to try to be a better skier. But yeah, yeah. we'll see. Maybe I should be fostering a better hobby for 2021. Well, no, I would think you'd want to carve out a, a part of yourself that isn't documented, right? Like you, like your ski trips and your yeah. vacations. Like, let me have a little part of my life that I can just enjoy without having to like, you know, look at a camera. And so much of it isn't documented. Yeah. yeah. So, And I think, yeah, I'm thankful for that. Brand deals, do you reach out to them or do they reach out to you? About 95% right now are inbound, which I'm super thankful for. Wow, that's, um, that's, that says I a lot think, about you and your and your audience. That's awesome. Definitely. And I think it's one thing that I just suggest to like anyone starting as a creator. I think I, I try to be very clean content, clean comedy. And I think that helps with brand deals. If you're put, you're either put in like a clean or <laughs> not clean category and once you like veer into this side, you lose a lot of like possibility of working with companies. Even I've done like alcohol sponsorships before, which is fine. I think drinking as a 27 year old is totally allowed, but some brands don't like that. Like they're like, if you have worked with an alcohol partner in the last six months, we actually can't work with you. Wow. Um, so even things like that, that you wouldn't consider are important when you're thinking of how you want to present yourself. I think I work with a lot of like B2B companies, Salesforce, SoFi, Dell, and I'm thankful that I have this kind of corporate professional platform that they feel confident doing influencer marketing with me. Do you have a dream sponsor or do you have a dream partner that you'd love to work with? Um, I'm just waiting for Gucci to reach out to me. It's weird <laughs> that they haven't yet. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I think the next level, which would be super cool. I'm getting a little into fashion, but like going to Paris Fashion Week would be a cool life goal. This has been amazing. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your journey. I wish you the best of luck as you look forward. Um, I know you're right in the thick of all of this. Do you have a, a vision of where you want to take what you're doing? Or or you mentioned the podcast. Like, what is next for you as you, as you give us a little sneak peek of, like, what's ahead in 2024 for you? Definitely. Podcast is a big kind of added pillar, um, which I'm super excited about. I think my goal long term, whether it's 2024 or 2025, would be to have kind of like a good or service that isn't necessarily tied to my face, perhaps like a clothing line or like a co-branded line for workwear where I can, it can kind of live outside of me and hopefully sustain me long-term. So I think with keeping my private life private, it will get harder as I get older and have a family and want to kind of hopefully step away a little bit from being in front of the camera. So the goal would be to start something that that can live beyond beyond me. Well, continued success. Really fun to hear your story. And I am following you and I'm going to be reposting a lot of your stuff because I was laughing out loud this morning. So thank you for that. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Kate. You were awesome. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at to dine for TV and Facebook at to dine for with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of to dine for the podcast, American National and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 